Patriots. And at the time, Brady had already won three NFL Super Bowls, putting him in the elite category of NFL quarterbacks. And at one point during the interview, Croft looked at Brady and said, man, this is what you've always wanted, right? Brady laughed and said, you're right. I'm making more money now than I ever thought possible playing football. But he went on to say, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and I still feel that there's something greater out there for me? Maybe a lot of people would say, Tom, you've made it. You've arrived at the top. You've achieved your dreams. But for me, I think, man, there's got to be more than this. This can't be all that it's cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27 years old, and what else is there for me? And Tom Brady is one of the best examples that I can think of of someone living a life that most of us are pursuing. He has wealth, money, power, popularity, success. He's fulfilled his dreams, you name it. He's got it or probably done it. But deep down, he believes that there's something more to life than what he's devoted his entire existence to. And I think every single one of us can relate to this struggle in some form of another. We think that wealth, happiness, family, fill in the blank, can fulfill us. And it's a lie from Satan that we've all fallen victim to at some point in our life. And so today we're going to examine the lie that something other than Christ can fulfill us. The lie that something other than Christ can fulfill us. So we're going to just go ahead and dive into this. Open up your Bibles. We're going to see what Scripture has to say. Open up to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's page 604 if you're using a pew Bible. I'm sure all of you were reading Ecclesiastes this morning in your devotional time, so you probably got it bookmarked already. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also own more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amass silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, 
Nothing was gained under the sun. Although not 100% certain, most people believe that uh, King David's son Solomon authored the book of Ecclesiastes, and there's a lot of information in this short passage. We We don't have time to dive into all of it. But what are some of the things that Solomon pursued that stood out? I want to get a little bit of feedback from you guys. If, uh, as you look through that passage, what are some of the things that Solomon pursued that left him um, completely empty, saying it was all meaningless? What are some things he pursued? There's a lot there. Bueller? Yeah, he built big houses. Yeah. What else? What's that? Yeah, he had silver and gold. Even that was meaningless. Yeah, what else? Yeah, he, was, he had status. He was greater than anyone in his city in, in Jerusalem. He had a lot of ladies. He had a lot of ladies. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but yes. Thank you, Steve. He was a ladies' man. Eric. Yeah, he had great projects. A lot of wealth to build great projects. Yeah, good. Anything else? He drank, he drank a lot of wine. Even that didn't cure the pain. Even that was meaningless. Yes. Right. Whatever his heart desired. Oh, yeah. Whatever his heart desired. He got it all, and even that was meaningless. Anything else? Solomon pursued wine and folly. He built houses for himself, planted vineyards. He made parks and gardens. He owned more cattle than anyone in Jerusalem. He accumulated silver and gold, and the treasure of kings. He gave himself to sexual pleasure. It's not listed in this passage, but Solomon actually had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which are extra ladies. So, he was a busy man. If you feel me, he was a busy man. He gave himself to every pleasure under the sun, and he looked back on his life, and he said that it was all meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And if I were to be honest with you guys, I'm a lot more like Solomon than I would probably like to admit. I've spent most of my life believing that something other than Christ would fulfill me. When I was in elementary school, I thought to myself, if I could only get to junior high, if I can make it where the big boys are in junior high, then I'll be fulfilled. Well, junior high was extremely awkward. That definitely didn't fulfill me, so I quickly turned my eyes to high school. I thought, man, if I can just get out of junior high and go to high school, I'll feel alive. I'll be alive, right? That didn't fulfill me. I thought if I could become a starter on the varsity basketball team, surely that would be the answer. But it wasn't. Turning 16 was around the corner, so I thought, when I get my car, that's going to be it. I'm going to be satisfied with life. But even my car let me down. College was around the corner. I thought, getting out of high school and being free, going to college, that is what's going to fulfill me. College let me down. I thought, if I can get a good job that pays well with some security, man, that's going to be the answer. Even that wasn't the answer. I thought if I traveled to all kinds of different countries throughout the world, that would be the key. Not many people can say they've done that. And that didn't fulfill me. I was confident that getting married would take away my insecurities and fulfill all my dreams. But I soon realized that Sarah wasn't Jesus. 
and I couldn't expect her to be my savior. I've spent my whole life believing that something other than Christ would fulfill me, and it's always left me disappointed. I'm always let down at how my pursuits and dreams never live up to what I think they'll be. And author Philip Holmes summed it up well when he said this, The problem is our hearts are black holes of discontentment, devouring relationships and possessions, all while screaming, I need more. We're always eating but famished, always drinking but never satisfied. And we know for sure there are some Bible characters who struggle with this as well. Think of some Think of some people in the Bible who did good things, but the outcome wasn't exactly what they had hoped for. Take David, for example. Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. When he was just a kid, literally a youth, he killed a giant, a lot of you know the story, named Goliath, who was threatening God's people. When he was in his mid-twenties, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. But if you read through the Psalms, you'll see that David was frequently being pursued by people that literally wanted to kill him. He spent a lot of his time hiding out in caves, fighting for his life. And you know there were times when he looked up to God and said, I'm doing the right thing, and this is how you're paying me back? Got people trying to kill me? His circumstances never brought satisfaction. Take John the Baptist, for example. He was faithful to Christ. And did his best to honor him. He was actually a cousin of Jesus. And he was the man that actually baptized Jesus. But his life was rough. He lived in the desert. He ate locusts and wild honey. He just wore simple, plain clothes. He was thrown in prison for speaking the truth of God's word. And he was also the victim to a very selfish request that led to his death through being literally beheaded. He lived right in the eyes of God, but his life was difficult. And you know he was tempted to look up to God and say, I'm doing the right thing. Why are things so hard? His circumstances were mostly terrible, even though he was faithful to God. And the Apostle Paul summed up this struggle well of looking for something other than Christ to satisfy us. This is from the Message Translation, and it's just raw and awesome. So check out what Paul had to say. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could, be, so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Paul understood that credentials, entitlement, and everything else in life doesn't even compare to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as his master. 
embracing Christ and being embraced by him trumped everything. And while I think most of us agree with that or believe it, there's usually a pretty big disconnect from what Paul's talking about, considering Christ number one and removing everything else and seeing it as insignificant. And I think believing that something other than Jesus can satisfy us is especially difficult for us as Americans. In a lot of countries in the world, people are told what job or career they're going to give their lives to. A lot of times marriages are arranged by family or parents, depending on who they want you to marry. And a lot of people don't even know where their next meal is going to come from. But that's not the case with us in America, is it? We have options, and we have a lot of options. We get to decide where we go to school, what college we want to go to. We choose what career we want to give our lives to. We choose who we want to marry. What does the fact that we have options do to us? What does the fact that we have so many options do to our hearts? I think it makes us feel that we can control our desires and create a satisfying life that will make us want for nothing. And because our lives are so good with possibilities that most people in the world can't even fathom, we forget how desperately we need Christ's love. We put Jesus aside, and we make safety, comfort, and security our Savior. And I'm guilty of it. We put Jesus aside, and we make safety, comfort, and security our God and our Master. And technology and social media have also played a huge influence in making us think that something other than Christ can satisfy us. Think about when you get on Facebook. Right, And you see the perfect lives of everyone else right? in St. Joe or Kansas City. People post pictures of their fun weekend getaways, their vacations, their new toys and gadgets and houses and cars that they bought. They post pictures of all their family smiling. And those are good things, right? Nothing wrong with that. But what you don't see is a picture of the fight that broke out 15 minutes after that photo was taken. What you don't see is the secret addiction that man or wife, or kid, is struggling with in that photo. We don't see the the behind-the-curtain stuff. And there are certain posts that you never see on social media. I'd love to see some posts like this on Facebook. I just got a great promotion at my job, so we decided to buy a smaller house in order to help more people in need. How many times have you saw that as someone's status? Never in my life have I seen that. How about this one? We're downsizing our car in order to give more money to the church. Hashtag sacrifice. Right? I'd love to see posts like that. Not in an arrogant way, but that people that get and understand that this world and its material possessions cannot satisfy. And as I look back on my life, I can see that I've even been guilty. There have been times where I thought, I honestly thought, if I just did good things for God, then that would actually satisfy me. At one point in my life, I was invited to be a part of a Bible study with some people that I greatly respected, and I went into this Bible study thinking that being with these people and all the wisdom I was going to learn and knowledge was somehow going to fulfill me and solve my answers in life. What I found out was how messy their lives were and that they were actually more of a wreck than I was. So it was a 
Quite the letdown, to say the least. When I took the job five years ago to be the associate pastor here at Wellspring, I thought that I had arrived at the pinnacle of ministry success. I had made it. I, I, I thought life was going to be a breeze now, cakewalk, no more problems. Whew. I was so stupid. I was so dumb to believe that. I've been challenged and grown in more ways than I ever probably thought possible through this job. But this job hasn't fulfilled the deepest desires in my heart, and it can never, ever come close to doing that. It's not intended to do that. Being in Bible studies and serving in the church are good things. I want you to hear that. They're good things, but they're not a substitute for an intimate relationship with Christ. Being in Bible studies and serving in young life or ministries or in the church or whatever you might do, those are good things, but they're not a substitute for an intimate relationship with Christ. So what do we do? How do we live out and understand what it means to let something other, to only let Christ satisfy us? I want to show you this slide here, and this is some really, really good stuff um, that hopefully will be helpful. If you want to write this down, this is killer. We're going to kind of walk through this for a minute. These are just, it's kind of a simple layout of just some of the truths of Christ's work in our lives. Yeah, getting some pins out. I like to see that. Good. Well, if you just look at the just um, on the left side there, just consider the past, just what Christ has already done for us. He went to the cross so that we could experience salvation and be saved from ourselves and from our sin. We've received his forgiveness and his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And the present reality for those of us who are in Christ, is that Christ is with us, right? He's with us in our joys and struggles and failures. He's for us. He wants to give us a hope and a future. The Bible says if God's for us, who can be against us, right? And we know that he is in us through his spirit. And then the future reality is that we get to spend eternity in heaven, where there will be no more tears, no pain, no suffering, just perfect intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Is that not incredible? I mean, seriously, look at that list. Just the past alone should be enough to satisfy us. Just the past alone should be enough to satisfy us. And the present and future truths are just added bonuses. They're just added blessings that we get to experience as his children. And so I want to hear from you guys. If these are the truths, go ahead and keep that up there. If these are the realities that give us hope, joy, and satisfaction, then what keeps us from believing and living out these truths? What keeps you from believing and living out these truths? Who would like to be so honest to share? What keeps you from believing and living out these truths? Trajan. What's that? You want to go into more detail? Or just leave it at that? <laughs> Temptation. He's done. Drop the mic. He's out. 
Thank you, Trajan. So descriptive. What else? Yes, Kelsey. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, she said comparison gets in the way. Just comparing ourselves to others. Sometimes you see how good people are, think you can never live up to it. Sometimes the opposite is true as well. Good. Anything else? Robert. Um, with the past, it's, I mean, it's just in daily lives, we forget so many things that just happened last week as opposed to something that happened as awesome as it was 2,000 years ago. So the past is sometimes forgotten. The present sometimes is just our daily miserable things that we kind of go through day to day. It's hard to remember that he's with us, for us, and in us. And, you know, as far as the future goes, you know, a lot of times we're just living for the weekend or for the our vacation. We're not looking past, you know, what we can past what we can see right in front of us. Man, that's good. So, like, our view and our sight is limited. <laughs> we're doing good to remember what we did last week a lot of times in the chaos of our lives, let alone what Christ might have done for us three years, five years, ten years ago. And our sight and vision of the future is limited too. We just think of making it to the weekend, kind of forget, you know, what awaits us even in the future. That's good. Anything else? I'll get to you, Heavy D. For me, it feels like we have to work for all those things. Mm. Like we, we have to work really hard and do everything that we have to do to be able to reach that, those, those gifts. We don't feel like we can accept it as a free gift. Mm. Good, yeah, he says, for him he feels like he has to work, work to attain these things rather than receiving it as a free gift. Good. One more. Heavy D, do you have something? Well, I think pain is a problem. Yeah. I think we want to feel good right now. I think life can be hard and difficult and disappointing. And it's like, we just want to feel good right now. Sometimes this is, maybe it's, it's a little hard to just focus on this all the mm-hmm. time. Other things could fill us right here, right now. Yeah. I think pain's a problem. That's good. Yeah, he says, kind of talking about the problem of pain, and we like to feel good immediately, and sometimes we don't let those things sink in like they should. We turn to other things. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Good discussion. When we understand and remind ourselves of these truths up on that list, they compel us to engage God and others. We'll want to spend time with God and be with him and we'll want to spend time with other people and share of his goodness when we're aware of what he's done in our lives but when we forget these truths or when we fail to believe them we turn to false idols we start believing that our job will fulfill us or that our spouse or family can satisfy us or that money can finally cure the pain inside our hearts. Think about people who believe and live out these truths. This is kind of an extreme example, but consider Mother Teresa. People wanted to hang out with Mother Teresa because she understood the past, present, and future truths on that list. There's an author that a lot of you have probably heard of named Shane Claiborne. He's wrote several books 
before he was kind of well-known in the Christian world, he uh, contacted Mother Teresa and flew out to Calcutta, India and spent an entire summer with her while he was still just kind of a young kid out of college. So why would he want to spend an entire summer with Mother Teresa caring for some of the poorest people on the planet? She was an old lady at the time. She had no power. She didn't possess wealth. She didn't possess um, uh, prestige. He wanted to spend time with her because she was aware of what Christ had done for her and how far Christ had brought her. And her awareness and understanding of God's love helped her extend that grace and love to others. Because of what Christ had done for her and her gratitude, it overflowed from her heart through the way that she cared and served the poor. And Mother Teresa knew what God's word said about being satisfied and how nothing apart from Christ could satisfy. Check out what these verses say about what it is that give us satisfaction. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God gave us these truths and stories like Solomon from the book of Ecclesiastes to spare us the pain. He wants us to learn from the mistakes of others so that we don't give our lives to pursuing the same meaningless things. It's kind of like when a parent tells a kid, I keep telling you to stop doing that, but you never listen to me. I tell you until I'm blue in the face, and now you're going to have to learn the hard way, right? Kind of the same thing. And so all the youngsters here this morning, my interns are some of them, what I'm about to say is specifically directed to anyone in high school or college. I'm 32 years old. But when I was 18, I was sitting in a church on a Sunday morning in a pew just like you guys. And when I was 18, I thought that money, finding the perfect girl, getting discovered for my musical talents, I thought all that stuff would fulfill me. And I gave about 10 years of my life to pursuing those things apart from Christ, and it left me unfulfilled, broken, and empty. And I ended up having to get counseling and help from a lot of different people to help pick up the broken pieces in my life and point me back to Jesus. So you guys can pursue all those things while you're young that are meaningless if you want. You can pursue wealth, popularity, success, whatever it is that's your thing, but it will leave you empty. It will leave you empty and unfulfilled. Or you can take my word for it. You can take Bob's word for it, wherever he is. You can take your mentor's word for it. And spare yourself the pain by believing and realizing that apart from Christ, nothing can satisfy you. God gave us stories like Solomon to spare us the trouble of following down the same road. 
I want to open, uh, open our Bibles again just to one more verse before we wrap up this morning. Back to the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verse 13. It's page 612 in your pew Bible. So earlier we read that Solomon said that he gave his life to pursuing every pleasure he ever wanted and it left him meaning. Uh, it was all meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So let's see now, once he's kind of considered everything in life and recorded all the pursuits that were meaningless. Let's see what he has to say now. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Solomon came to understand that life was meaningless without God. And he came to realize that it was only through fearing God and obeying him that he would find satisfaction. And that word fear there means to be in awe. To be in awe of the holiness and the glory and the splendor and the supremacy of God. Because when we're aware of how great God is and what he's done for us, obedience will be the natural overflow of our heart. When you're so filled with gratitude and awe of his perfection, obedience will be the overflow of our hearts. Scripture says to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because when you truly taste his love and goodness, you'll realize that nothing else can even come close. Don't be someone that comes here on Sundays just to get more information. Or just to do good things. We don't need more information. If we actually lived out what we already know is true about Jesus Christ, our world would never be the same. We're called to be in community with each other, and we need one another to remind us and show us that this world can never satisfy. We need other Christians surrounding us. We talk about it a lot here. Surrounding us to teach us to taste the goodness of God because once we taste it, we'll realize everything else fails and falls short in comparison. He is the creator of life and satisfaction is found in him alone. It would probably be in our best interest to devote our entire lives to following him. Let's pray together.